Buenos dias a todos. Good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. Such a special day. I want to see if I can get an amen. You guys ready? Mothers are very special individuals. Yeah. All right. Good, good. I hope we're all grateful for our moms. I understand that uh, even for some of us, maybe Mother's Day does not bring good memories. You know, maybe for some of us that don't have our mothers anymore, I do, I do have, I blessed that I do. I know some of us don't. Um, and I also know that some of us maybe had rough upbringings with our moms, but, um, you know, the Bible does say to honor our father and our mother. And sometimes there may not be a whole lot to honor them for, even if you're in that position, but there, there's got to be something for which we're able to honor our mom. Even the fact that God chose that person to be your mom. And to bring you into this world, and for that, we need to be grateful and, and rejoice in that and honor them. This morning, I have the privilege of being with you uh, and give the message. I'm excited to do so. I, you know, when it comes to a, a special message like this for mothers, you, you don't want to just talk about moms because then everybody else feels kind of out of it. We have teenagers here. We have, we have men. We have uh, boys. We have young girls that aren't moms. So I think today's message is going to cover all our bases, so don't worry, all right? So don't tune out. If you did already, come back. Do not tune out. This message is for you, it's for me, it's for all of us. The title of this morning's message is A Mother's Touch, A Mother's Touch. And we're going to read and, and study from John chapter 6. You might be thinking, I think I know what John 6 talks about, and, and there isn't any moms there. There aren't any moms. So let's take a look and, and see what we mean. John chapter 6 Verses 1 through 14, if you have your Bible, that's great. Open it up. Let's take a look. And we're going to do about four things today. We're going to look at our Lord Jesus Christ through John chapter 6. We're going to honor Him. We're going to give Him glory and, uh, and be thankful for what He did here in John chapter 6. But we're also going to look at this little boy. We're going to look at this little boy. And we're going to look, and we are going to use our... Uh, as I believe Dr. Um, through the bus, J. Vernon McGee used to say, uh, my pastor was, had the benefit of being a student under him, he used to say, we're going to use our sanctified imagination a little bit here today, all right? And, and talk about this little boy's mom. And then we're going to talk about all of us. We're going to talk about all of us. Now, the main point of this morning's message is this, and I think this applies to all of us. I wrote it down. It says, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we all have the privilege of touching people's lives in a way that will glorify God. Did you catch that? As Christians, we all have this privilege of being able to touch other people's lives in a way that would ultimately glorify God. Now, moms just have a special way about doing that. Moms have a very special way about touching people's lives in a way that would ultimately glorify God. But the reality is that all of us have that same privilege, and to a certain extent, a responsibility to touch other people's lives. So whether you're 10, whether you're 90, or whether you're a mom, or whether you're a dad, or whether you're whatever you are, you and I both have the privilege and responsibility of touching other people's lives in a way that would ultimately glorify God. And that's what we need to be tuned into today. Now, about moms, you know, I got to say, my mom's here, 
my, my wife, the mother of my three beautiful children is here, and I'm grateful for that. She's such a blessing to me and to them. Uh, my mom, so I want to honor them, because every time we, I would have an opportunity, I would thank all the moms, and not forget my own wife and my own mom. So I want to thank my wife and my children's mom, and I also want to thank my mom. She's hearing the message through our audio earphones in Spanish. My brother's back there translating. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. So we have our Spanish group here today, and the message is being translated as we speak. That's pretty cool. But um, I was thinking about Mother's Day. I was thinking about my own mom, and I was thinking about the fact that, boy, you know, how do you, how do you put into words what mom, my mom has done for me? And it's just amazing. I can't. All I could say is I thank God for my mom. I thank God for my mom. I think of all the, I think the, the one word that comes out first when I think about my mom is sacrifice. How much she sacrificed. I know we all grew up differently. Uh, we grew up with, uh, for a time especially, not with a whole lot. There was a time where she had to work uh, outside the home. And, you know, that clip, I don't know how these guys do it, but they make me cry every time. I don't know about you. Every time, those guys. You know, just seeing how mom was going to work and she was taking care of, you know, washing and cleaning and, and when she was sick or not sick. You know, I, one thing I don't hear, remember my mom doing is complaining. I don't remember my mom complaining. But I do remember her sacrificing a lot. As far back as I can remember. Even, even as a uh, older teen, graduating from high school, I remember she told me this. She goes, she goes hey, Mike. In Spanish. I tell you in Spanish, but most people would understand. She said, hey, Mike, listen, you graduated from high school. You're going on to college. Tell you what, your dad and I can't really help you financially for school. But I think that one thing we could do is as long as you're able to take care of yourself, that's our help to you and your help to us. You know, you can't pay for your school. You won't be getting a new car for your graduation. But if you can just take care of yourself, then... That's kind of like our gift to you as we go on. And I remember being so appreciative of that. And even more so now that I'm older, I was able to go to school. And yeah, I had to work and pay myself, pay my, my way through school and all that. But the fact that they were able to say, hey, go to school. Better yourself. Look for a career. Don't worry about us. Kind of chokes me up a little bit. And I remember growing up, one thing that I wanted to do is I always thought, I want my mom to have her own house. Because we never did. We always lived with other people. Or some of you guys know my story. I'm not going to share that with you right now. But, you know, it'd be great for, for her to have her own house. And you know where she lives now? Now that I'm a young 41, <laughs> my mama lives right next to me. She's got her own house. And she lives right next door. If I ever run out of milk, no need to panic. She's right there. <laughs> It has just been a blessing. They struggled. I can tell you stories of how much she struggled and sacrificed. But I think most of us can relate to something like that with our moms. Maybe not to the same extent, but just be appreciative of your mom. I like what Isaiah said. You know, not just today. All the time. They deserve it. They deserve to be honored. They deserve to be treated with kindness, with respect. And that's why we wanted the kids to be here. Did you guys? Yeah. You got to be respectful to your mom. You got to be kind because in doing that, you're pleasing God. So 
Thank you, Mom. Ama, gracias. Uh, le doy gracias a Dios por ti todos los días. Uh, to my beautiful wife, mother of my children. Awesome. Such a, I, I feel I'm such a blessed individual, and the two of them are a big part of that. And so are you as a congregation. As I look out and, and get the honor to be able, be able to be here in front of you, just share God's word, that, that to me is, is amazing. So let's open our Bibles. John chapter 6. And let's take a look. I've always been fascinated with this story. And probably for the wrong reason most of the time, because I thought this kid was awesome, if you know what I'm talking about. So we're going to read it, and then we're going to highlight some things that this boy was doing right. And then we're going to give some credit, I believe, to where this credit is due about this child. Now let me tell you something about this portion. I don't know if you know this, but the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called synoptic Gospels. And that's, they're very similar. The Gospel according to John is very different. All right, and uh, but and they don't often speak of the same things. In fact, many of the miracles that are in most of the gospels are not recorded in John. But guess what? Guess which one is this one? The feeding of the five thousand is the only miracle that is recorded in all four gospels. It's an important one, and it's an important one not because this kid that we're going to be looking at, but it's actually important because Jesus was showing his miraculous power to demonstrate what John's gospel was meant to demonstrate, which is that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is deity. Jesus is God the Son. And this miracle highlights that. So let's take a look. That's, that's the, the main meaning, I believe, of this passage that we want to make sure we catch, uh, that Jesus multiplying this food and feeding 5,000 men it's an amazing feat that showed us and proved that he was indeed who he claimed to be, and that is the almighty, eternal God. So take a look at John chapter 6, verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, of, or Tiberias, and a huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing on the sick. Now, they weren't necessarily following him because they wanted to hear the words of life. They followed him. Many of these people did. Surely different people for different reasons, but most of them followed him because they saw the sign, the signs that he was doing, the miracles. He was healing the sick, and so that drew crowds. And among that crowd was a very special individual, a little boy. We'll get to him in a little bit. Now, So Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. Therefore, when Jesus looked up and noticed the huge crowd coming toward him, he asked one of his disciples, Philip. Now the Lord asked him a trick question, kind of. The Lord was setting him up. But this is important. Jesus said to Philip, where will we buy bread so these people can eat? Jesus turns to Philip as if Jesus didn't know what he was already going to do, which he did. And he tells Philip, hey, where can we buy enough bread to feed 5,000 men? No McDonald's around. No anything. 5,000 men. That's not counting the women and the children. And he tells Philip, where can we buy enough bread and Philip starts thinking, well, let's look, let's look at his response. Maybe he does know a special place where he can buy that food. Verse 6, Jesus asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Jesus was testing Philip by asking Philip 
for an impossible answer. I mean, what could Philip possibly have said? I know where they sell bread wholesale. I'll give them a car. We'll send somebody to pick it up. I know a couple of, you know, bread makers. My cousin makes bread. Maybe I can call him. There was nothing that Philip can possibly say that can satisfy or be a good answer for that question. Nothing physically. So Philip looks around, and this is important to all of us. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have even a little. A denarii was a day's worth of work. Say right now, $100. 200, or, uh, yeah, 200 days worth of, of pay. If we bought bread, even with that, it wouldn't be enough to even... It might be like what we just had right now when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Philip is saying, not even enough for, for, for that. So here's what I want to say about that before I go on. And I think this is very important. Jesus asked Philip the answer for an impossible situation. And I think Jesus tests us the same way. The Lord will test us, and I believe he will test you and me. In the same way, he would say, what are you going to do about the situation that you're in right now? You might say, which one? You know which one? The impossible one. Any impossible situations going on in your life right now? I'm sure we could all say, yeah. My finances are impossible. My children are impossible. My marriage is done. My emotional situation, my physical state, impossible situations. All of us have impossible situations, and I believe God will be testing you and say, what can we do about that? And you would say, I've already seen all the best doctors. I've already tried all the counseling. I've already tried stop eating Panda Express every day. <laughs> Some of you that know me might understand where that came from. But you know what I mean? We look for physical answers, and there aren't any. There aren't any. Philip was set up by the Lord. There was only one answer, and it wasn't a physical one. You know what the answer was? That Philip should have known. You know, in hindsight, Philip, come on, dude, you're standing next to the Lord? What's the answer? Jesus is the answer. But Philip was thinking physically. And isn't that what we do? We give up on situations. We give up on people thinking there is no answer. Beloved, there's always an answer. Is God testing us? Philip. All right. Verse 8. Now, disciple number 2 comes in the picture. That was Philip. He flunked. He's out. He's out. Maybe the next one do better. That one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's brother, Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves, barley loaves of bread and two fish. But what are they for so many? So it almost seems like Andrew is a little bit closer to having the answer. He says, Hey, Lord, look, there's this little boy. He has a lunch. And then many people are like, Oh. But then he goes, but what is that? I mean, that's, that's nothing. There's 5,000 men here. That's, 
We found that. That's nothing. Interesting fact, if you read Mark chapter 6, the same passage, Jesus actually told his disciples to go out and search to see how much food we had. Imagine, 5,000 men. And then the Lord says, how are we going to feed everybody? And if you read Mark, Mark 6, it says, well, go and search to see what kind of food we got. How much do we have that we can count with? And it's very possible that Andrew, after searching and asking around, hey, anybody got food? He finds this one boy with one lunch, with five pieces of bread and two fish. And that's the report that comes back to the Lord. The Lord says, how much food do we have? Let's count our resources. See how we're going to tackle this situation. He's testing everybody. Like what? Maybe we'll find enough food for 5,000 people? But he says, go out and look for food. They come back and one lunch, Lord. That's it. Almost like your idea was terrible, Lord. Go look for food. This is what we found, one little lunch. And what is that compared to so many? Then Jesus said, I'll show you. He didn't say that. He said, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place, so they all sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, and also with, with the fish, as much as they wanted Buffet, all-you-can-eat style. When they were all full, he told his disciples, collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves, barley loaves, and they were left over by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign he had done, they said, this really is the prophet who was to come into the world and they tried to make him king forcefully because he fed their belly. Now, again, this story is all about the Lord. Yeah, we made fun of Philip. And yeah, we made a little fun of Andrew. And this boy, we kind of skipped over because we're going to focus on him right now. But it's really about the Lord who shows his power, his creative power. Feed 5,000 men with two fish and five pieces of bread. Guess what the Lord said? No problem. Just sit them down. Here we go. Prayed, distributed, everybody ate till they were full, and they had 12 baskets left over. Beloved, here's the test. Do you believe that the things that are impossible with men are possible with God? Isn't that always a question? Do you believe that the very thing that you believe is impossible, given your circumstances, is easy with God. Mike, you don't know my situation. I don't need to know your situation. If you want to tell me your situation, we could talk later. I don't need to know your situation. The answer is Jesus. And the things that are impossible with men are certainly possible with God. Oh, beloved. And I think moms need to hear that. Because I think moms get to... Be exposed to all the bad. You know, if the husband doesn't have his act together, you know who pays for it? The wife. You know, if the kids are going astray, yeah, it hurts the dad. But you know who really hurts and who really suffers? Mom. You know, when the kid doesn't come home at the time he's supposed to, I think dads are inclined to go, go to sleep. But you know who stays up? Mom. Who's looking out for you? 
mom. Dad should too, but we're talking about moms today. <laughs> and so moms and everybody, believe, believe, especially in those circumstances that seem impossible, especially in those. You know, it is in our weakness that God's power is made perfect. You find yourself in an impossible situation, get on your knees and look up and see what the Lord is about to do. And then give him praise for what he's going to do. All right. These lights are making me cry up here. All right. <clears throat> so we took a look at uh, what the Lord Jesus Christ did there. He's amazing. He's awesome. He's eternal. He's powerful. And he's God. But let's turn our attention to this boy. All right. Now, different translations will describe him differently. Here, my translation, HCSB, says um, in verse... Oh, by the way, in Mark 6, if you read the same account, they don't even mention him. <laughs> All right. Here in John, where he is mentioned, they don't give us his name. You know why? Because it doesn't matter. But can we possibly learn something from this little boy? Check this out. I think so. I think so. First of all, it says um, that a huge crowd was following Jesus. And you know among that huge crowd of 5,000 men, there was this little boy following who? That was a question. He was following Jesus. What is a little boy doing following Jesus? I'm not sure if he understood I'm not sure if he was there just to maybe, here's where we're going to use our sanctified imagination. I don't know if he was there with his family or if he was just sent. I don't know if he was there just to see the miracles. Maybe he thought it was like, kind of like magic. It was entertaining. Or maybe he understood somehow that Jesus was somebody really special, worthy to be followed. So I'm going to shorten this because I don't know what's going on with the time. But... um. The first thing we see this kid doing, this child, this little boy, he's in pursuit. Pursuit of who? In pursuit of Jesus. Following Jesus around. No matter where he went, there he went. It says that Jesus went and he went far away and the crowd followed and there was this little boy walking around. I don't know how old he was. I looked it up in the Greek. It just says, it translates to little boy. Let's say he's 10. 10 years old. Little boy. Following Jesus. The question is, are you following Jesus? You know, so easily we get caught up in religion, in culture. Let's go to church. Everybody goes to church. Sunday morning, let's go to church. But are you following Jesus? Or are you part of the crowd that is following Jesus for the wrong reasons? Maybe Jesus will do me a miracle. Maybe he could heal my cousin. And maybe he can. But are you following him for who he is? Not for what he might give you? So often we miss this personal, fulfilling relationship with God because we're looking for something other than Jesus. You know why heaven's going to be awesome? Because Jesus is going to be there. We're going to see him face to face and we shall even be like him for we will see him face to face. Heaven is awesome because he's going to be there, not for anything else. All right. Everything else is also great, but... 
He's going to be there. And here was this little boy in pursuit of Jesus. And I want to encourage you, be in pursuit of Jesus. Listen, you want to be a good mom? Not a perfect mom. I don't know how that, I don't have the answer for that one. But I do have the answer for for how to be a good mom. And it doesn't matter if you have little children, if you're an expecting mom, if you're a future mom, or if you're a grandmother or great-grandmother. You know how you want to be? You want to be a good mom? Follow Jesus. Follow him. Because in following him, people are going to follow you. So keep that in mind. This boy was in pursuit of Jesus. When Jesus stops and starts speaking, you know what this boy? He was present. He was there. I don't know if he was front and center. I'm pretty sure he wasn't way out of the outskirts that they found him with his lunch. But he was present. You need to be present. And this is for everybody. But moms, you need to be present. Present where? You know, one of the biggest problems we have in our society is everybody's working. And sometimes you have to. But kids get out of school and they go home to an empty house. Be present as much as you can. If your situations we have to work, we're not, we're not uh, looking down on that. If you have to work, you have to work. But at the time you're there, you need to be present. And all of us need to be present. When the Lord speaks, let's be present. When he's moving, let's be present. When something's going on, let's be present. This boy was there. He followed and he was there, present when the Lord was ready to speak. You know what else he was? He was prepared. I'm amazed. Now, I don't know, we don't have all the details, but we know enough. He had his lunch. Now, he had uh, five pieces of bread. And the type of bread that he had, and the fact that they were, they tell us what kind of bread. It wasn't the uh, 10 grain, gluten-free, $10 a bag bread. It was a barley bread. It was the stuff that poor people had. And then Andrew says, he's got five pieces of bread. He's got two little fish. What does he have to say little for? Why couldn't it have just been, he's got five bread and two fish? No, he's got five cheap breads and two little fish. There's a little something in that. He was poor. He didn't have a whole lot. But he had his lunch. He had his lunch. He was prepared. Now, I don't know how that worked. I don't know if your mom prepared your lunch to go to school. I remember going to school in Mexico. They didn't feed us there. You had to take your own lunch. And I don't know how many times, but I remember my mama taking me lunch to school. She did. It was a nice bread. Bolillo, for those who speak Italian. (laughs) A little bit of beans. And... If she was in a really good mood, it would have chile verde. That's Bruce's, that's Bruce's uh, favorite, by the way, chile verde. And, uh, and she would take me lunch to school. And there I was, there she was. Lunchtime, I would go out to the gate, and there she was with my lunch. Like, what? Now, I probably didn't think much then. I was just glad that I was going to get to eat my favorite food. But now I think back, and it's amazing. What a privilege, what an honor, what a blessing. And my mama would take me lunch to school. And I don't remember if she did that every day. I remember taking lunch too, but it was her. I was prepared. So here's this boy. Everybody's hungry. There's nowhere to buy food. There isn't enough money to buy food. Well, too bad for everybody, but not for this boy. 
He was well prepared. He took his lunch. And I don't know if he was, before he left the house, he was, Mom, nobody's taking lunch. (laughs) 10,000 people, nobody has lunch. Embarrassing. But Mom sent him with lunch anyway. And then when it came time, hey, anybody got food? He's like, "Mm, I do. Isn't that awesome? I just picture that stuff. It's, It's great. He was in pursuit. We need to be in pursuit of God. He was present at the right time when the Lord was speaking. He was prepared. And I don't know what you have. I love my pastor Sal. You know what he told us once? Never forgot. He said, God is not interested in what you don't have. Oh, Mike, if I won the lotto, I assure you, I will give one million to the Lord. You know, if I, wasn't, if I was done with school, I'd give the Lord more of my time. Oh, if, if I had a little more money, I would do this. If I had a better job, I would do that. If I had a little more resources, I'd do this. And, if, and God's like, I don't care about any of that stuff. You don't have any of that. I don't care about what you don't have. I do care about what you do have. God cares about what you do have. And it doesn't matter what it is and how much it is, how fancy or how much it's worth. God gave you something and he wants you to use it for his kingdom. Look at this kid right here. Man, what time is it? <laughs> hey, everybody before me took really long. Did you guys notice that? All right, so hang in there. There's no evening service. So you guys can just hang out after the service. Yeah, let's, but let's wrap it up anyway. Here we go. He was in pursuit, he was present, he was prepared, and he was poised, poised to share, ready to share. Now imagine this, everybody's hungry now. Now you know what happens when men get hungry? They get hangry, right? Looks like you get hungry, you get angry because you're hungry. So here's everybody getting hungry, the Lord's like, we've got to feed everybody, what do we do? And then here's this boy with the lunch, maybe the only one with the lunch. Now what would you do? You're hungry, and there he comes. This, if you're a kid, this old guy, maybe 30 years old, Andrew, is like, hey, we got a kid who has lunch. He's thinking, like, what do you mean we have lunch? <laughs> like, we have five pieces of bread, and we have two fish? No, sir. I got five pieces of bread and two fish. You don't. And I suppose it would have been really easy for little kids to grab his lunch and go through everybody and sneak out. But he didn't. I don't, he was willing to share it because the Lord took it. He gave thanks and then psh, gave it to everybody. And it doesn't say that the kid started crying or throwing a tantrum or calling for his mom. He was poised, ready to share. And the kid didn't know. What does Jesus want my lunch for? And I love thinking about this because can you imagine the little boy, knowing that his lunch just fed 5,000 men. Now, he, I'm sure he knew he didn't do anything. He just had his lunch, which he probably didn't even prepare himself, by the way. That's where I'm getting at, moms. Right? Mom gave it to him, most likely. Mom prepared it. Mom sent him with his lunch. But this boy has his lunch taken from him, seemingly insignificant, with the task at hand to feed 5,000 people, or 5,000 men, and Jesus just takes it, multiplies it. Now the boy also ate till he got full. 
which probably would have happened with his own lunch and his two little fish and his five cheap pieces of bread. I shouldn't be saying cheap. But he satisfied, but maybe not full. But when Jesus took it, everybody ate, but he ate even more than what he had to begin with. And just the satisfaction to know that all these people were fed because he was willing to give his lunch up. Beloved, I want everybody to experience that. I want to experience that. I want to know that my life is meaningful. And I want to know that the Lord took pleasure in using me. Not because of who I am, but despite of who I am. That brings him more glory. God used Mike for what? That shy kid that wouldn't even read at youth group out loud? Gets to speak and teach God's word in front of people? Yeah, it's not me. It's him. To him be the glory. And to know that people might be in heaven because of something that I did or something that I said fills my heart. I'm sure that boy never forgot the fact that his lunch fed 5,000 men. I'm sure if he one day had kids, you bet your bottom dollar that he told his kids that story. And his grandkids, of course. Family gathering, hey, Gramps, tell that story again. When you were a kid, what happened with your lunch? Oh, this guy took it and boom, Jesus. What a testimony. Beloved, what is God doing in your life? And perhaps better yet, what does God want to do in your life? And moms, let's switch it over to moms. All right, because I think this boy's taking way too much credit. All right? Who taught him to pursue Jesus? Probably his mom. You want your kids or people you influence to pursue Jesus? You pursue Jesus, and you influence people. Don't just tell them, hey, go to church. Aren't you going to church? What about you, mom? Oh, no, I got too many things to do. I got to clean. You pursue Jesus and watch people around you pursue him too. Who taught him to be present? Hey, the Lord speaks. You be there. I think the mom taught him that. Who packed his lunch? Who helped him be prepared? Most likely, his mom did. Here, in case you take long, take this. Oh, man. What if it's a long walk? I've got to carry the whole thing everywhere. Just take it. Trust me. Take your lunch. And then boom. And then who teaches children to be unselfish and be willing to share? That sure isn't natural. One of the first words you and I learned was meal. Mind. Right? That's awesome. Universal. Take, take a two-year-old's phone away. <laughs> I was a joke. Yeah, I was having dinner yesterday at a restaurant, and this little boy had a phone better than mine, and some wire, some beats, and and man, try to take that thing away. Mine. What are you doing? What I'm saying is, somebody has to teach you to share. Who taught this kid to share? Say it. Mom did. Probably mom did. Most likely. We could be wrong. Most likely mom did. I mean, if that was you, what would you have done? Hey, everybody, we're looking to see if we got any food we could donate. But isn't that what we do? 
hey, we're looking for volunteers. <laughs> Upward season's coming around. Ooh. Talk to us in the front. You go out through the back. <laughs> it's the same thing. You got to be careful with that. Are you ready to share? Are you ready to give up what you have? And if you're thinking, like, I don't have a whole lot, neither did he. It wasn't even his. It was his mom's lunch. Whatever you do have, God wants to use it. Moms are awesome. I think this mom, even though she's not even mentioned, behind every awesome kid, there is an awesome mom. One thing I've learned from, from, being, from teaching the last 17 years, I've taught second grade, first grade, se- I'm teaching now seventh grade. <clears throat> I'm learning a lot. And every once in a while, including this year, I have a, over 100 students right throughout the day. One thing I've learned is this. Children are a reflection of their parents. Mm-hmm. That wasn't an amen. That was more like a mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes these kids, these, these uh, students of mine, they're problematic. You know, and I have one in particular right now. I have several. But I'm thinking of one little girl, seventh grader. She talks back. She rolls her eyes at me. I tell her, stop talking. She's got an excuse why she's talking. I tell her, put that makeup away. She's like, what makeup? I'm like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be working. Uh, excuses. Okay. Change seats. Do all this. Rolling her eyes, talking back. I have, you know, conversations where I still try to be respectful. And I'm thinking, goodness, what's going on with this little girl? And she's tiny, too. Pretty sure I can take her. I can take her on. She's little. And still disrespectful. It didn't make sense. I'm like, I'm being nice to her. I'm being respectful. Come on. What is going on? And then, on a Wednesday night, we had parent conferences. And I met her mother. And you know what? It all made sense. I don't have to ask myself why is she like that. I don't have to wonder why she's disrespectful or she rolls her eyes or she talks like that. I met her mother. Yeah. I'm not going to go into details. You're like, what did she say? What did she do? <laughs> We're not gonna, that's not important. Suffice to say, I met her mom and I was, and, and I've known that, right? I've, I've, I've known that. You, I mean, it's, that's how it works. Like parent, like child. So here we see this one boy who's pretty thumbs up. He's a nice kid, cool kid. I would say we give credit to his parents. And today, we give credit to his mom. So moms, yeah, you have a tough task. You have an impossible task. Raising children, maybe influencing grandchildren, you know, we got nephews, we got people that we know, kids in the neighborhood. Stay at it. And remember chapter 6 of John. The Lord Jesus Christ can do anything He wants. He's testing you. And whatever you have, He wants to use it for His honor and glory. He'll turn that around. He'll turn those little fish and those little pieces of bread and do something miraculous with that. But you have to believe. And you have to be willing to give up what you have. Give up that 
false sense of control you got going on. Give it over to him and watch him work. Ultimately for his honor and his glory. But you have to believe. You can't give up. Any impossible situation that we all have is possible with God. And we don't know the results, but he does. And he's got all the power. He can do whatever he wants. I, I really enjoyed that song that we sang. Is it called Touch the Sky? Yeah, yeah. But what does it say? I forgot what it says, but it says, whenever I try to not sing it and say it, it says, uh, I touched the sky, something like, I touched the sky when? When my knees hit the ground. And then the part that made me cry in the video is, you know, she does her best work when she's not, when people aren't looking. And they show her praying, kneeling at her bedside with the Bible open. Perfect. Beloved, you want to do your best work as a mom or as an individual that needs to influence people for God's kingdom? Your best work is going to be done on your knees. Trusting God that he can do something miraculous for his glory, even in your impossible situations. Moms, I, you know, bless you, moms. Moms with young children, double blessing. I see Teresa here. I see Priscilla there. You know, moms with, with young children, double blessing for you. We hope that this church, Crosspoint, could be a place where you can bring your children. They, could, they can grow up surrounded with caring individuals that pour into their lives. That we believe that even children are important to the Lord and that he can do awesome and amazing things even through them. I was going to tell you the story by Pastor Salp. I said it before. He was six years old when he was invited by his six-year-old friend from school to church. And that little six-year-old just told my pastor, hey, you go to Sunday school? And my pastor was like, Sunday school? I go to school Monday through Friday. What do you mean Sunday school? What do you do at Sunday school? And the six-year-old sec- second grader tells him, Henry Starnes, he goes, well, we learn all about the Savior. God using a six-year-old. And Savior, here's a Spanish lesson, Savior in Spanish is Salvador, and my pastor's name is Salvador. So when the kid said, we learn all about the Savior. He's like, Savior means Salvador. That's my name. I want to know about the Savior. Spent the rest of his church, the rest of his life at church learning and teaching God's word. Can God use a six-year-old? Can God use your children? No, not my kid, Mike. You don't know my kids. Of course you can. Get out of the way and let God do something amazing with your children and all the people around you. Beloved, as Christians, we all have the same privilege to touch people's lives in a way that will glorify God. But moms, you just have a very special way about doing that, and we're grateful to all of you for staying at it, staying at the task, influencing your children. If your mom is not here, pray for them, but honor them as we honor all of you moms here this morning. God bless all of you. Shall we pray? Do I pray? forgot. All right. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we're so grateful to you for all of your blessings and, and, and some of those most amazing blessings uh, are certainly you giving your son as a sacrifice for the payment of my and the world's sin, but also for giving us moms. And all moms are, are, spe- are special. I thank you for my mom, for my children's mom, my wife, for all the moms that I have the privilege of knowing here. I just pray that you would continue to grow them in faith and trusting in your power even in seemingly impossible situations, that you you are pleased in working through our weaknesses, all for your honor and glory. 
I ask for your blessing on each and every one of these moms here present, as well as all of us that have the ability to influence people around us for your kingdom and glory. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you, beloved.